To have passion in life is everything. What's your Everest? Oh, is it yeah. that 200 inch box? They just look so impressive when they're wide. Especially running away. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of Eastman's Elevated. It's like a think tank for outdoor activity. Sounds exactly like my hunting. Just always thinking about it, always trying to evolve it and make it better. Here's your host, Brian Barney. Yo, what's happening, guys? Got a brand new Eastman's Elevated for you. So this week, I have back on Tyler Boschma. Tyler, he's tough as nails, and he has an adventure spirit. And so he's constantly going all in on these Western adventures. Uh, The last time I had him on the podcast, we talked about him going to Kodiak and hunting Sitka blacktails there and the the weather and the challenges. and, And it was a great conversation. And then I realized it's been a couple years since I've had him on the podcast. And so today I have him on and he talks about last year's elk hunt uh, where he was all in on this bull that was further than he wanted to go. But he ended up going in there anyways and getting into one of the the best encounters he's ever had and arrowed a really nice bull. And so it's a great story. We talk about that. We take a, we talk about backcountry nutrition, taking care of ourselves in the backcountry as he's crashed, and I know I've crashed too and seen buddies crash, and so uh, we talk about backcountry nutrition and really taking care of ourselves. Uh, We also talk about the little things, like taking care of everything right now during the summer. So once it gets to be fall, you know, we can have the time to go all in and go for it. So just a great conversation. We also talk about he's got his uh, sheep hunt coming up this year. He wanted a raffle, and uh, so he's going to be going for doll sheep Uh, He's hunted there once prior when he was stationed up in Alaska about 10 years ago. Uh, So I'm really excited for him, and we talk about that as well. So it's a great podcast. We'll get right into it. I just want to thank a couple sponsors. I want to thank Sig Sauer Optics. Sig Sauer is just building great optics. I'm so impressed by them. Uh, Right now I'm using their Zulu 9s 11 by 45 binoculars, and they're crystal clear. Uh, I'm also using their new spotting scope, their Oscar 9. It's a 80 mil objective lens and then a 27 by 55 power. Uh, what a great scope. Uh, the, the clarity, uh, light gathering capabilities, uh, it stands up to all the top brands. It's just a great spotting scope. I loved using it last season and I'm going to be continuing to use it this season. I also think Sig Sauer builds the best rangefinders on the market. I love their rangefinders. It has a powerful laser that'll shoot through grass. It'll shoot light and dark targets the same. Uh, it does uh, incline and decline. Uh, does all the math for you. And they also have a program that you can get on your phone. It's called their BDX system. It allows the rangefinder and your rifle scope and your phone to all talk together to figure out your exact hold on a target. It's an amazing program. If you're in the market for any new glass, make sure to check out Sig Sauer Optics. One place you can check out those Sig Sauer Optics is at Sportsman's Warehouse. Uh, Sportsman's Warehouse carries all the top brands, and it's so nice because you can go in there, you can look and touch and feel, you know, look through binoculars and spotting scopes, you can compare them to different brands, look outside for light gathering capabilities, and and really see what's going to be best for you and your personal preferences. Like I say, they have all the top name brands like the the Sig Sauer and they also carry Sitka, they carry Zamberlin Boots, you know, just a few of our sponsors that they carry in there. Uh, they do a great job uh, uh, of staffing good, passionate people in each department, whether that's their bow department or their gun department, their optics. They have somebody in there that's knowledgeable that can help you find what you need. Uh, it's a great store. If you need anything for any upcoming hunts, make sure to check out Sportsman's Warehouse. Uh, over there at Eastman's, uh, we just been hustling. Got some really good podcasts coming out for you guys. I've got that new podcast of mine, Eastman's Flycast. If you're interested in or ever thought about fly fishing, make sure to check it out. Uh, this week we have a great episode. Two young go-getter kids, uh, uh, Coley and Clay. They're buddies, and I have them out to the house here. We have a bunch of good laughs and talk fly fishing. Uh, the The guys are really smart. It's a it's a great podcast. I'm really having fun do it. So make doing it. So make sure to check that out. Eastman's Flycast. Boy, I barely got that out there. <laughs> also check out everything else we have going on at Eastman's. 
Uh, we have both magazines, Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal, Eastman's Hunting Journal, and, and check out our Tag Hub. Uh, Tag Hub is our new internet research program. Uh, there's so much great information to learn these different states for different species, to learn rifle and bow, harvest statistics. There's so much in this Tag Hub, and it's all in one place. It's our internet research tool. Right now we're doing a giveaway where we're we're giving away $16,000 worth of gear to Tag Hub members. Um, it, it's a great program. I used it to study up this year. It helped me get a couple good tags, and it's going to help me next year in my research as well. And we're constantly evolving and making this, this program better, uh, adding more information. I just saw a chart that came out the other day that was all the Pope and Young entries of bulls, and then they had dates that they were harvested so they could show a graph of the absolute best rut days to hunt for for Pope and Young bull elk, which days they were harvested. It's an amazing graph. It'll be coming out in Eastman's Tag Hub. But it's a great program. Make sure to check it out. Check out Beyond the Grid. That's our internet TV show. Eastman's Hunting Journal on the Outdoor TV. Or the Outdoor Channel, excuse me. Yeah, I think I, I, think I covered it. So, um, yeah, I, I've been... I've been hitting it hard here lately, just in the final stage of my training. I've got about a month left before my hunt start, and I am so excited. Um, absolutely, 100%. My back's never been stronger. Uh, my legs and miles and elevation has never been better. Uh, arrows through that bow. I've got that Matthews VXR just shooting. Man, that thing's it, it's um, it, it's ready for hunting season, and I love that quote, uh, it reminded me of it as I as I was talking about that bow, cry in training, laugh in battle. And right now is the final phase of my training where I'm making it hurt on those trail miles, uh, making sure I'm putting a lot of arrows through the bow. I am going to be ready for my backcountry test. Uh, I know you guys have some good hunts coming up. I'm going to continue to bring you guys the absolute best next level information here on the podcast to help you be successful this season. So, um Man, that's about it. Let's get into this podcast. So this is Tyler Boschma, uh, Eastman's Elevated. I'm your host, Brian Barney. Here we go. Uh, made it to Montana. Well, you you have your family's ranch here, and um, it does seem like it's like it's meant to be. Yeah, yeah. This will be the closest um, I can get to the ranch. Um, and stay stay in the federal side of things anyway so yeah it's just such a big blessing and yeah definitely thankful to be here and yeah getting to explore some now been uh been fun to kind of go all in on you know all things montana the last couple months oh good for you isn't that it's a fun process isn't it like us as humans we're meant to explore and it's neat like when you when you're just trying to figure everything out and, and there's still like a lot of good places that are undiscovered or, uh, you know, people have their timing wrong, but there, there is so many good spots that people that, that are still undiscovered. Um, so, it, so it's fun to, to travel around and look for those. And I bet it's gotta be fun to start from scratch. Oh yeah, for sure. And if anything, it's just fun to, uh, yeah, even if it's been explored by somebody, just explore a new country to me, you know, it's, it's always you know, it's always neat going into a place and somewhere you've never been before and, and you know, learn the little things about it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, dude, it's been way too long since I've since I've caught up with you or had you on the podcast. Uh, I know we keep in touch through text every now and again, uh, but before I know it, like a couple years has passed. Yeah, it's crazy. Time does fly. So the last time I was talking to you, I was I was all stoked on your on your Kodiak uh, blacktail hunts up there where you were flying in and you were telling me about that, um, man. And we talked we talked a little bit like about your sheep hunt back when you were stationed up in Alaska, like a do-it-yourself sheep hunt. Um, sounds like you're you're trying to go back this year, huh? <laughs> well, yeah. If uh, the COVID stuff holds off, we'll. Uh... We'll know for sure, I guess, once I'm actually there. But yeah, as of now, I I won a uh, won a sheep hunt at the uh, Hunt Expo. I won one of the Alaska Dolls, and uh, yeah, so just kind of getting into crunch time now, getting ready for that. It's like six weeks away, and man, I couldn't be more stoked. I'm actually got it 
where my wife is going to go. She's going to meet me up afterwards, and I'm going to take her to some all bunch of the country that I explored when I lived up there and try to get her a caribou. And um, I won't say it on a podcast because she'll probably listen, but, yeah, I got a surprise for her when, yeah, get to take her around, and she just gets to experience Alaska. So I'm almost more stoked about that than, I mean, definitely stoked about the sheep hunt, but, no, it'll be fun to show her around and have a really good time and, yeah, see what it looks like 10 years later. <laughs> yeah, right? Oh, how crazy to go back to this place that, you know, that, that, that you were at as a young man having these incredible adventures. And then, like you say, amazing opportunity with the sheep hunt and to win it off a raffle. Um, it's just that good karma coming back. <laughs> Something I just... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely throw my name in the hat on a lot of different sheep hunts. Um, you know, I this is not the only one I do. I do pretty much every state. I do a lot of the super tags, and yeah, I think that's a big part of it is just getting your name out there, and you know, you can't win it if you don't try. So <laughs> same thing with hunting. You're not going not gonna to get anything from the truck, so well, most of the time anyway. <laughs> Man, that's it. Well, um yeah, I'm the same way. I, I it's like the blue collar opportunity to try to go on one of these amazing adventures for like a a different species and a different habitat. And these sheep live in like the the roughest terrain possible or like the most extreme landscape to try to get up to and and, and be successful at. Gosh, is that me beeping? Yeah, so but, that is that's actually one of the biggest things I'm I'm uh, stoked about specifically on the the doll sheep is. I'm going to be in the Alaska range, which is one of the, the more quote unquote rugged ranges. So it's going to be cool to be in that. And yeah. Oh, that Alaska range looks super gnarly. That thing is all steep and rock. I mean, you know, some, some grass and some feed here and there, but that does look like a gnarly range. Yeah. It's going to be fun. Oh man. How cool. And then dude, I think it's so cool. Like, um, how how uh, important your family is to you, and bringing your wife on this adventure and meeting her up there, and then going afterwards and going caribou hunting, like it's so good, you know. That our families are such a big part of our life, and and we go on these these challenging adventures, and you know, your your wife may want to go with you on a sheep hunt. Mine doesn't want to go with me on on a sheep hunt, but she does want to take part in these, you know. And whether it's scouting or camping or uh, fishing or, you know, hunts that, that aren't quite as grueling, like an antelope or hunt or something. It's always good when you can include that family. Oh yeah. hundred percent. I, uh, that's really been a goal of mine as, you know, especially I get older and now I got a toddler is just get in a lot more family time and really, really try to take care of things at home. And, um, yeah, and just be, you know, be dialed at home so that when I am away, it's, you know, it's not such a burden and kind of things seem to go a little bit smoother. I try to automate, like even our garden and stuff, I put that on an auto water deal and try to get everything pretty, pretty dialed there just so it's less maintenance, less things to worry about every day. And, um, but yeah, and getting the family out actually, uh, was doing that this spring a little bit. Um, took Callie out. We we're trying to get her a bear this spring after I got mine and, um, went up, we'll just say Northern Montana. And, um, we were walking some logging roads and towards the evening, I had the little man, little three-year-old in my pack. And, uh, we were walking back to our camp and actually had a grizzly bear growl at us twice. And once, you know, at like 50 yards, and then it kind of moved off to a hundred yards. And it was just such a funny deal. Cause it left such an impression on, you know, my three-year-old Dylan, he, for the rest of the week, he was he was running around going grizzly bears go rawr. That's what grizzly bears do. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's just, that's been the highlight of my year so far. It's just how he, you know, we handled it pretty good. I think we didn't like freak out. You know, I just at that point had my hand on the pistol and you know was ready for whatever. But you know, didn't didn't make a big deal with him. And I think that was good. You know, at the end he wasn't. You know, like he he kind of did act like he was a little scared you know when kind of in the moment but then afterwards we explained to him you know it's all right bud <laughs> but, uh, wild yeah, time for sure. yeah that's a close yeah. encounter yeah that's the wrong species of bear to be inside of 50 yards on 
<laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, but that stuff happens, you know, as you're out and about. And just like you say, you have to be prepared for it, especially when you got your family with you. You know, I, I'm almost at a heightened sense when I'm going on a hike with my girls or, you know, and always make sure I have my pistol and my bear spray and that, you know, you're responsible for them out there. Or you are the one with the, the knowledge and the know-how. But I think it's good that, you know, you know, you didn't show, um, you know, you didn't panic or anything. And, and then also didn't show them that it's something scary. Like this is the natural world that we're part of. Um, and, and running into a bear for guys like you and I is the norm, you know? And so like to, to not make a big deal about being scared or how it's a monster or how it could have eaten you or, you know, it's like, no, this is, this is yep. part of nature and we got this cool close encounter experience. So that's really neat. Yeah, definitely no Yellowstone experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That one's up close and personal. Um, yeah, well, good for you. I, I hope that, yeah, that sheep hunt. Well, I guess, Canada's the one that they're really worried about, but who knows with this this weird stuff going on, what's going to happen? But um, man, that's that's so awesome! You get that that sheep hunt lined up. You are. It seems like every time I've t I talk to you, you got some new adventure you're all in on. You do such a good job of taking taking advantage of, of the blue collar opportunities out there. Yeah, I definitely. Uh... <laughs> I don't know that I'm an expert in anything, but I definitely like to just, yeah, I like to dabble a little bit in, in everything and just, yeah, have fun doing it. So I think if I was a quote-unquote expert, which I really, really know I'm not, but I'm an expert just finding cool places and cool things to do. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, that's it. I, You know, I don't know that any of us are are experts. Like, you kind of build a skill set where you've got confidence in the woods and in confidence that you can go find critters, but a lot of that comes down to like uh, uh, your mental approach. And so, like, I just know you from, um, you know, the the time we visited and like on the death hike and things. Like some of the different challenges that you've taken on to really sharpen yourself mentally. So, I, I think a lot of your success, my success, and other guys' success just comes from that mental fortitude or that never quit or that always put forth the effort. Would you agree with that, Tyler? Yeah, I'd, I'd agree there. Um, I would also caveat say that like I would consider you an expert um, bow hunter for sure, so <laughs> don't take that away from yourself. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> yeah, um, well, but... all I know is that you're always full send like on, like on all these adventures, so... Uh, last year, I th I saw an elk pop up on my feed. Were you hunting um, Idaho elk, or was that Montana elk? Um, yeah, it was Idaho. I kind of joke with my friends that um, that was somewhere back east, North Dakota or something. I don't know, but yeah, it was Idaho. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to pin down your state. Uh, you know, all <laughs> no, these western no, states, this Montana, fine. Idaho, Wyoming. <laughs> Gosh dang it, there's just some good elk hunting around, isn't there? Yeah, it's crazy. It's definitely, um, rightly so, it's gotten popular. And I mean, you know, we talk about it because it's just an absolute blast. I mean, um, if you would have talked to me, and a lot of people don't know this, I was not an elk hunter. I didn't grow up in elk hunter. I grew up in Idaho, but um, I just shot, you know, I was a duck hunter. And then I, you know, went off to the Air Force, and that's where I got kind of the big game thug. Um, but I had not elk hunted until I was stationed in New Mexico. And um, so my, I would consider myself pretty low in the experience level when it comes to elk. And, um, this year talking about, yeah, going full send on stuff was just that I, uh, I got into a spot where basically I, I had to make a decision. It was getting in the evening, been raining all day. You know, I was soaked to the bone, just had every excuse in the world to go back to the truck and, and go to camp and get warm and, I was definitely hunting pretty far from the truck at this point. And um, anyway, had a bull bugling down in this bottom. And uh, I was by myself and pretty much with like an hour left of light, I, I talked myself into going down there. And the whole time thinking in the back of my head that, you know, I'm kind of just being, you know, reckless or whatever and kind of, you know, second guessing myself. And yeah, long story short, I, I ended up uh, kind of doing the whole slow play thing and, and working up a scene where that bull got fired up and uh in doing that he he wouldn't leave his cows 
and I was pinned down. I was like 300 yards away from him. But another bull heard the commotion, heard us kind of bantering back and forth, and he comes flying up from way down in the bottom. And I got to watch this whole thing happen. Like I basically just stopped calling. And this other bull come up from the bottom, just fired up, screaming, you know, like every 20 yards, just ripping off a bugle, big six point. And uh, anyway, he, he kind of tried to, um, like fish hook this, this other bull that, you know, I was calling at this other six point, he, he come up above him and, you know, they kind of stood off for a while looking at each other, bugling, just doing like circles around each other. And at this point I'm thinking, this is just the coolest thing ever, like watching this happen. And I, I didn't think much more would, you know, that interaction would go any further. And then next thing I know, the bull that come up from the bottom just turns around, just freaking just plows the, the bull I ended up getting, but just plows him and there's just gnarly back and forth fight for a while. Cows go scattering everywhere. It's just complete mayhem. Um, my bull ends up getting pushed down. Um, I don't know, you know, didn't personally like right up close see it, but anyways, afterwards he had a, a hole through his nose and his nostril, like right above his nostril. You can kind of see in the pictures there's a hole that just one of the times got pushed in there and then he had two big gores on his belly because he got pushed down on the ground but he was a fighter he got back up and he pushed that bull off and that was kind of my time to just like make a decision and go all in and I, I ran pretty much straight at that bull down this big goalie and then like I don't know I gained at least like four or five hundred feet elevation in like 20 minutes 25 minutes and I was just smoked, just everything I had just to make that little, you know, 300-yard dash, but it was down and then back up. And uh, got up there and started cow calling like I was one of his cows that got split off, and I was only, you know, 100 yards, 80 yards from this bull as he's trying to he, – he's getting in the wallow after winning this fight, and that other bull would run up the hill and was still bugling. He's kind of doing his victory parade and getting his cows back back together and – I, uh, yeah, I just played a scene like a lost cow and then moved up the hillways and then just let out a pretty good challenge bugle out of the blue. And he just came flying in. Like I was on this spine ridge basically where him and his cows were bedded earlier. And I was just on the other side of it, just where my head would peek over and I could see him in the wall. Well, after I bugled, I moved up again, keeping that spine ridge kind of between him and I thinking, I had some time for him to come down to where I last bugled from. And at this point I had an arrow knocked and this bull come so fast that as I'm walking, I'm, I'm kind of walking, keep my eye to the, to the right, right at the spine ridge. And I look over and I see times and this bull's seven yards away, just coming in on a beeline where I last bugled from. So anyway, long story short, I spun around, um, typical, typical Boshma fashion. I, <laughs> I shot an arrow at seven yards and just completely missed him. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, like, got my composure, cow called at him, got lucky. He stopped at 25 and, and just looked at me, and I just took a deep breath and just sent the best arrow I could and smoked him and pretty much heard him go down 80 yards away. And, um, yeah, it was right after that, pretty much started following his trail. It got dark and, um, started breaking that bull down that night by myself and going back to the bear thing had a had a bear come in um just as i was getting i just opened that bull up and basically got all the guts and everything out and just it was cold enough that night that you know been raining almost sleet you know snow type of cold so it was pretty cold and so i just opened that bull up but just as i was getting done with that a, a bear came in and ended up kind of give him two warning shots to even shoot directly at him. And uh, funny part about that story is a buddy came out to help pack out that bull, and he had an encounter later that day with that same bear. He ended up firing a warning shot, too, at it. So <laughs> there's a very educated bear in there that um, isn't super scared of people with pistols firing all around him. <laughs> Man, black bear? Yeah, it's just a black bear. It's Idaho, so... Well, yeah, yeah. Definitely not in so, this country, though. Yeah, man. Um, 
those bears on carcasses, uh, he would just get dangerous close, dangerously close and wouldn't leave. When did you decide to shoot at him, or um, what was that encounter like with that bear when he came in, like knowing he was there? Did he pop his jaws or anything like that? Yeah, so he popped his jaws. He never got on the carcass. He was just coming in with me there, which was really surprising. I mean, especially because he kind of did the same thing to my friend while he had a load of meat on his back, like it was coming at him and then stood up you know a couple yards away from him but i couldn't really see in the dark like <laughs> headlamp you know and i could just hear him and then hear the brush you know hear the brush below me so i uh yeah i just fired off kind of two warning shots and and that was enough you know i didn't hear him again um so i was able to load up a pack of meat and, and get out of there that night man that's um, where that without any incidents. yeah good for you um God, I hate those encounters in the dark like that. Those are the worst. Like, at least if you can see, you can react. Uh, but but in the dark is the worst. Yeah, and definitely, like, typical of my fashion. Like, I've been doing a lot of stuff in the evenings and using my headlamp. And, of course, I didn't have any backup batteries, and my headlamp was dying. And, you know, so I couldn't, you know, on top of just being with the headlamp, it wasn't a good one at that point. So, yeah, it was definitely... <laughs> not fun (laughs) oh why does that happen so i i try to get better and be more prepared but same deal or that stupid headlamp will turn on in my pack and it has a lock on it i know better so you know i i stop carrying extra batteries because of the weight and um then i'm supposed to lock my my headlamp every night and and sure enough like you say it's like when you really need it the the batteries are dead but I think I'll just I'll take the extra couple ounces and have a few extra batteries or a spare headlamp or something because there's it's no fun especially by yourself in the dark trying to fend off your carcass from a bear. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> huh. Well, that too. Um, that's why that that pistol can be way better than bear spray that time of year. So good on you and your buddy having that pistol. Like that encounter could have got a lot different, and not that you couldn't have sprayed that bear. But they got to be pretty close to spray them too, and and um, so that's where that pistol is nice, especially like I run that Glock 10 that keeps 15 shells in it. So a couple warning shots like that, and most of the time that does the trick, and you don't have to shoot the bear. Yep, yeah, that's that was kind of our mo. You know, I I got broke in around bears on Alaska, so you know, I, yeah, I definitely. You know, I kind of went back and forth there for a while between the the spray and the pistols mostly from a mathematical or statistical standpoint um but yeah there is so many scenarios like that where it's it's handy having the pistol where you can you know at least give a warning shot and you don't have to you know you're not stuck with shooting a bear and you know messing with all that it's especially if it's a grizzly that can be a big mess (laughs) oh man yeah i i try to carry my pistol in grizzly country now um you know, there I went back and forth, and same deal. Most of mine was based on weight, and you know, you spend a lot of time in the backcountry. But I do like that pistol for the noise and to spook them. And you talked about getting broken in Alaska. I mean, when you're a hundred miles out in Alaska, and those grizzly bears are coming for a carcass in your camp, or you know, coming into your camp, like sometimes your only defense is that weapon. And I, I really feel like, especially after being practiced up, you know good with my good with my shooting or at least good enough i i uh i shot really bad at a charging bear last year that i hit uh, like i shot nine or eleven times at it and only hit it a couple times i like forgot to look at my sights the whole time <laughs> but uh through that it's taught me that i do need to improve and get better and build a build a shooting process and then just more rounds through the gun but i, I just uh that that gun in grizzly country like it's it, it's my job to my family, too, to make sure that I come back from every adventure. And so I, I've just started packing that pistol with me so I always have it. And it is a it is a bit of security and safety when you have that pistol, even though I know you could run into the wrong scenario or not see the bear in time or, you know, one, one of those situations. Like your biggest asset in grizzly bear woods is like having having your head on a swivel and paying attention to sign, looking for bears – you know, trying not to get yourself in that under a hundred yard range, and you know, of course, when you're when you got an elk down, you know, that's when things really get tense. And so it it wasn't anything with your your wood sense on that bear, but I'm just saying in general. But 
that it it's kind of it's kind of what we have to do in bear country is be prepared for the worst case. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Oh man. Well, that's that's absolutely wild. Um, those bulls fighting down in that bottom and going for it at last light, like like back further than you think. So many times. It, it is about just going for it, especially with elk. Like you just got to almost go and get into him and see if you can kill that bull. And you don't know what's going to happen, but that sure is special. Like when you get in a drainage and get to watch that fight that went down, like the only reason you killed that bull is because you, you put yourself in striking distance that night, which meant that you had a long hike out in the dark. I'm sure even if you didn't kill that bull. Um, but so many times it is just about going for it and seeing if you can make something happen. Isn't it? Definitely. I think um, I've talked a lot with my friends about it, and I think maybe sometimes I'm a little overly optimistic, if that's a thing. I just, I don't know, <laughs> I always just have this mindset that it's going to work out. Like, I just, well, this is this is there, I just need to do it, and then end up doing it, you know, it seems like a lot of times it does work out. So, I don't know, like, I really have tried to, like, do some self-evaluation and kind of think about, like, what are the, what are the things that's made me successful versus unsuccessful? And looking back, I definitely think, you know, that mindset of just being, you know, being optimistic and, and being able to just physically, you know, on top of, you know, having the right mindset, but to go into those places and go, you know what, it's going to get dark. I'm going to be coming out in the dark and I just need to be okay with that. no matter, you know, how this turns out. And yeah, I think just having that mindset, just, all-in approach i don't know <laughs> definitely has helped me in a lot of situations not just that but yeah i can name off just start rattling them off all the ones that you know it's like man if i would have just come up with the alternative that i was thinking i probably wouldn't even you know had any kind of encounter so yeah <laughs> it's so funny yeah just the same way it's um eternal optimist or i'm always positive i always think i can kill that animal even if it looks impossible even if it's four miles away even whatever it is it's like if i if i can see them they exist they're not a ghost so i feel like i can kill them it and it you know you said it, it it works out some of the time and that's definitely the case for me you know it does work out it works out enough to 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 be uh to pay off or to make it rewarding to go for those scenarios all the time. But yeah, there's a lot of times when I see an animal, I don't even know if I can get to the thing before dark. And just like you, you take off jogging and just sweat down your brow and you're just trying to get there and make something happen. And, you know, it doesn't always pan out. A lot of times it's a long walk back, but I never feel bad for going for it. Even if I don't kill that bull and I drop down in that drainage, I would have got down in that drainage or if I saw that happen, you know, I, I would have just said to myself, now that was awesome. That was worth the price of admission. I ran down in here and I saw these bulls fighting and I, I had a close call or whatever the case is. Um, but I, yeah, that's I do. An excellent way to put it. Yeah. I just, I love those. I, I love those moments in the mountains when you're tested like that. You know, we have a, a buck that we call the the 10k buck that I went with no weight that we spotted and I jogged the whole way over there and just barely came over the top at last light and then arrowed that buck you know it was it was like you um yeah it's it's just all in all the time and that's exactly how you hunt and why you're successful yeah I'd definitely say yeah like you're saying most part it's it's definitely played out better you know more so than it has not you know so i definitely i probably lean on that more than you know maybe more than i should but so far it's working out <laughs> yeah good on you well you talk about like performance and your your body um so you know you, you can push hard and be mentally strong but if you really train your body and, and really hone in you're capable of so much more your lit your, your limit is more like you're just built for endurance day after day so I, I know I put a lot of effort into physical fitness and you do too. Like like you were talking lately, you've really dove down the rabbit hole of nutrition and fueling your body right. Do you notice a big difference from it? Yeah. I mean, my wife is just, she is very dialed when it comes to her nutrition and it's, you know, I still have my, you know, my crutches and I love cookies, but um, 
<laughs> I I noticed it, it going back to that that elk hunt last year. I really wasn't paying attention to my hydration, and I'd just been going, 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 and then went to sleep and just was not hydrating. So the next day when packing out that bowl, uh, I had my hands cramping up, like my hands and my arms, like I wouldn't, yeah, it's so hard to explain, but I, I basically was making like a crippled fist and I couldn't open my hands because just the strain of packing out that heavy pack and, and being, you know, probably a little too dehydrated. I was just really in a bad spot. And I noticed that, you know, if I give myself the right things and I've done in the past, like, a, you know, just that hunt in particular, I was just being really poor with my nutrition plan and my approach and everything. But yeah, definitely that's one of the things going into this year, especially with this sheep hunt. I do not want to be, you know, 12 miles from the airstrip packing out a sheep and just start cramping up like that. Cause I think I, I would become a problem. Like, I mean, then, yeah, I mean, this is a guided trip. You know, it's not like my solo solo trip I did at 23. This time I'm, I'm going to be guided. But, yeah, I do not want to be, you know, the one that, you know, is slowing things down or, you know, putting us in a situation that, you know, might become a hazard, you know. Yeah, downright dangerous. Man, that's – um, it. these hunts, I catch myself doing it too. Uh, we have to take care of ourselves in the mountains. And, and part of that, you know – is our water intake and our food intake and our sleep. But it, it seems like we start to forget about those when we get in the mountains and we start pushing really hard and all of a sudden, you know, I haven't eaten that day or I'll get back to the tent and it's late and so I won't eat dinner or, you know, I'm a long ways away from water and so I'm trying to I'm trying to drink, you know, I'm trying to ration my water and I'm 32 ounces a day. But I, I'd be better off if I just went and got water, rehydrated myself. It's amazing, like, how much it helps the body recover for the next day. Like, taking care of yourself oh, yeah. day after day, you feel better the next day, and you're not as fatigued. Your body recovers. It it, it heals itself throughout that, that sleep session, you know. And But it, but it's so important, especially high elevation and, and, and these – hunts they they turn into a test of endurance it's day after day and no matter how hard you you train your body's not ready for 24 hours after 24 hours of going that hard after 24 hours like eventually you start to get worn down and, and um no matter how hard you train you have to take care of yourself because fatigue makes cowards of us all the better shape you're in like the the more apt i am to go all the way across the mountain or a big drainage. Like I've always relied upon my fitness, you know, sitting there with buddies and I'll see a buck and I'll be the one guy that's ready to go for it because I know my body can do it. You know, I've, I pushed it all year and I have confidence and faith in it. But a big part of that is, is taking care of yourself so your body can recover. Yeah, exactly. I, you know, and it's funny how I think every year you kind of, you take away things from that, that past hunting season and you try to reapply them or, you know, and that, that is definitely my big takeaway from this last year going into this year. It's just like having a plan as far as like a nutrition plan, but also just like having a plan to keep my head, you know, in the game. As far as if I need to take a break, I just give myself that break. I don't, yeah, there is a point where I do need to be better about switching it off for just, you know, little, little baby seconds here and there and, <laughs> kind of let the body catch up with what what I'm throwing at it cuz yeah I'm definitely not getting any younger. Well we we get you know we get older but we get smarter with our approach as we get older you know uh, we think about it more it's um it, it's on purpose uh, meaningful you know so yeah that's a good thing and and same thing like in that in that same breath like I love to go hard and I love to send it but if if I push past if I redline that day and I really do more miles and more elevation than my body's used to and through training, my body can really take a lot. But if I overexert for a day, I feel it the next day mm -hmm. or the next two days. And not only physically, like I say, fatigue makes cowards of us all. I feel it mentally, you know, mentally I start to get drained. I'm not in it as, as much as I should. So 
so much of this physical is also tied to mental and taking care of yourself. Um, so, so every day you wake up ready to charge the mountain and not, you know, wondering when, when you're going to get out or thinking about that that deal at work you got to take care of or whatever it is. It it really keeps you in the game when you when your body's firing off all cylinders. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, having that having that just knowledge like that that confidence that you know your body's been through this before you've mentally been through this before you know you're prepared for it you have a plan like you've done the right things and and just continue to trust that and and you know fight through those little those little things that like to sneak in there and you know tell you you've had too much or whatever it's you know a waste of time and all that it just yeah if you have a a good plan physically and you know mentally and um, yeah, it just makes it so much easier to get through that kind of stuff. And I actually, uh, I read a quote, it, it had to do with like preparing yourself mentally for being grizzly country It's actually, it's in the uh, Montana, uh, fish and game regs, but it's like some along the lines of the body doesn't know how to react if the mind's never been there. And I think like, yeah, that applies to a bear attack or a bear scenario where they're coming at you if you haven't mentally rehearsed that, but the same thing with like a stock on a buck or calling in a bull and getting those last little details worked out in your head, how you're going to get drawn and everything, or, you know, or, or just how your approach is going to go into something and, and having that run through your head enough to where like when you are in that situation, you know, it's, it's just like autopilot. Man, I like that. I love uh, inspirational quotes or good quotes that make, you know, that relate (laughs) to what I love to do. That's a great one. Um, say it again for me, Tyler. Yeah, it's uh, the body doesn't know how to react if the mind has never been there. Gosh, it's just like preparing yourself for those moments that you're going to encounter. Man, I love that. Yeah, because I, um, I do a lot of visualization, visualization of the shot, and especially like leading up to a hunt that means so much to me. I try to picture that buck, and it it's never exactly like you picture it, but you know, I picture how it's going to go down and how I'm going to settle my pin and how I'm going to execute a good shot. So that way, when I get there, I don't just get my pin on them and jerk that trigger. Now, I don't know if it helps or not, but but I also try to visualize like the challenges I'm going to face, like not only grizzly bears, oh, yeah. but I try to I try to visualize nasty storms and lightning storms and riding them out on my feet and like what it feels like to be scared in there. You know, I I try to. I try to imagine like getting back in a spot and and seeing nothing but humans and now I've got to hike all the way back out and back in another spot. Like the situations are never quite like I picture them, but it's almost like I ready myself to run into this stuff. Like I'm prepared to handle it. I know it's coming and and sometimes it's challenges that I haven't thought of, but but it seems like this is a really good mental exercise for me. Yeah, and you kind of, I don't know, we shot right over it, but I got a little piece out of that where you're talking about riding out a lightning storm on your feet. And I think what you mean by that is like being on your toes, like you're talking about like hunched down, like trying not to get shocked basically. Yes. Is that what you mean? Yep. Yeah. I think so much like that's something I, I rode out some lightning storms even recently, bear hunting and shed hunting this spring that were like, oh my gosh, like just... <laughs> Like that makes a guy afraid. Like I don't care. Like that is that's definitely yeah something. And I think having that like you know running something like that through your head, like okay, I'm in this lightning storm, and it is literally hitting all around me. And you know what am I gonna do? Throw my pack with the metal frames far away and sit on my toes and and hope that yeah I don't get whacked out here. <laughs> Yeah, get to a low spot, and I'm going to ride it out, and it's going to be scary for a little bit, but all storms pass, you know, and uh, yeah, you just try to go through that mental exercise of what it's going to be like. So like you say, you feel like you've been there before, even though not that exact scenario, but but you've been there before and readied your mind for it. Yeah, actually, um, I have a buddy, and we'll keep his name out, just these special forces, let him say the story, but... Yeah, he uh, he was actually up on a mountaintop in Colorado, and I, I don't quite remember the story exactly, but yeah, him and a buddy were leaning against a tree, and it didn't shock hit them directly, but 
just from it hitting really, really close, they both got like basically knocked out and they were out for, they can't even remember. And then they came back to like after a while. So it definitely like, it happens to people we know, like it's a real threat and it's definitely something that is worth thinking about and like mentally preparing, like, you know, Oh my gosh, that is so scary. That's like my worst nightmare. <laughs> um, yeah, like getting struck like that. Yeah, I, there are guys that we know that have been struck by lightning, and I know the chances aren't good, but you know, when you're a high country hunter during the the worst lightning storms in the West, your odds go drastically. You know, our odds are so far above a, a city dweller or a guy that that can ride out a storm in his house or in his truck. Yeah. Our odds are, are drastically different, but yeah, it's a, it's a real concern and there's real concern out there. And that's part of what makes it so fun, you know, is that so much of life is nerfed or, or keeping safe. And when you get out in those elements, like you're, you're responsible for your safety out there and making good decisions. And man, I, I sure made a lot of mistakes in my younger years. Thank God I was good enough to keep myself safe and keep myself hunting another day. But but I had to learn some hard lessons, and and one of those was with storms and sleeping up on the peaks. And you just don't you don't catch me sleeping on those ridge lines or those peaks anymore. I just get off them. I'd rather walk up in the morning. And you know, part of the reason I run so many miles is so my legs are in good shape. But I want to be out be able to ride out a storm at night in my tent, not crouched on my feet, you know, down off the ridge as it's shooting around me. So I really like camping like down and out of it just a little bit. Yeah, I hundred percent with you on that. I my last trip to Wyoming I yeah, I did the same thing. I kinda got down in the, the lower country and stayed off the ridge lines and yeah, I'm not gonna yeah, it's worth the effort to hike the you know, if it's a thousand you know, thousand foot pole in the morning then you just deal with it and better off than having no sleep and like you're saying, crust on your toes and it, you know, there's so much like yeah, just that the guys that have been through it, they know, but like sitting on your toes and riding out an hour, hour and a half long storm is so fatiguing, like mentally just crushes you. And, uh, yeah, it's definitely not something I, I want to put myself in if I can help it. Oh yeah. So, um, what we're talking about too, like crouched on your, on our toes, I think you did a pretty good a job of describing it, but yeah, in bad lightning storms, they say, to put your feet together and then crouch down on your toes. And with your feet together, what you're trying to make happen is if that lightning hits close to you, it doesn't go up one leg and out the other leg, which then goes through your heart and can stop your heart. But if your your feet are together and then you, you're just sitting on the balls of your feet down there, it's the, the smallest surface to the ground and your feet are together so the lightning just goes in as as one spot if it does hit around you or whatever and then you crouch down so you're not the highest thing around lightning always hits the highest thing or not always but it has a tendency to go toward the highest thing and and so when i find a safe place to ride out lightning i usually like to be in some timber i don't want to be by the tallest tree or a tree on a ridge line or you know so so there is some nuances to it i mean if i had my perfect storm i'd be in a group of small trees um, I'm looking for depressions and lulls. Definitely want to be off all the main ridge lines, the main peaks, the main knobs. I mean, I've sat up there and watched lightning hit a knob twice in the same storm, or hit a rock outcropping, you know, and then watch it hit that out that outcropping, you know, three times in the next week. Like there's there's places that are real prone to lightning, and I don't know if it's the minerals or the high spot of the ridge or whatever it is, but I try to get down from those spots get off the main ridge line. I want to fall, find a small group of trees if I can. And really, a depression is the best, a little crick bottom or a, just anything down and in it. And then, like you say, you crouch on your on your feet and um, you sit down and, and you kind of pull your rain jacket over your knees unless you have rain pants so you can keep dry. And then this big hail starts to come in and you can't even hear your buddy next to you. All of a sudden, this hail's just pounding you. And you can hear the lightning and thunder coming. And sometimes the scariest storms in the mountains are the ones that form right around you. You can't see a big thunderhead or a big dark cloud coming, 
it just starts to get cloudy, like it's getting foggy, like it's going to rain or something, and the first lightning strike is right over your head, you know? And so sometimes you you don't have time to prepare, but it is about reading storms and reading what's going on in the mountain. And, boy, to be caught up on top when a storm forms around you is, like, with some of the scariest stuff in my life. I remember, you know, I was on the edge of a 13,000-footer, and... Uh, man, the first strike of lightning was the top of that 13,000-foot peak, and I was not that far from it. And by the time I scrambled and got my stuff and tried to side hill over to camp, there was lightning going on all around me where I had to just drop and pretty much run down the mountain and running down towards a low spot, and then lightning hit the low spot I was running towards. It was like, oh, my, I was really in it. It was a bad scenario. Um but yeah, that that's basically the the procedure for lightning storms. And as as I get older, I get smarter, and I still ride out bad storms and things. I just ride them out in good spots. Yeah, that's all you can do. <laughs> yep, all you can do. Yeah, you can't let it let it chase you out of the mountains. It's it's the adventure that that's so much fun out there. But yeah, along with that, I also like to visualize, you know, my shot and my process. And, and shooting at those animals, and so I'll visualize that as well. Um, but so much of it comes back to our practice, like right now in this off season, you know, to make sure we're in that physical fitness, our nutrition plan, and also our shooting. So, um, yeah. like like shooting, um, you know, the 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 practice in the backyard is great. But lately, you've got involved with these three D shoots. So uh, you're going to bring a three D shoot to Montana, right? Yeah, so just, you know, in a way, thanks to COVID. <laughs> I don't know if that's, that's a real thing or not, but sarcastically. Um, <laughs> we had to cancel our, our Washington and Oregon events. So, um, yeah, we're we're going to do one here. And, and now my hometown of Helena out at uh, Great Divide. And, um, yeah, it's just uh, ours, we kind of, you know, we have an extreme course and, and just kind of try to have fun with that. But we also just keep it a family-friendly family shoot that, you know, kids can go out and enjoy a good time with their family and ride chairless and have some fun. Man, how cool. So, um, yeah, you put on these shoots in Washington and Oregon. What's the brand of it again, Tyler, or what's it called, the shoot that you guys are having in Helena? Uh, it's Northwest Mountain Challenge. That's um, right. Yeah, that's, it started there in Idaho with old Steve Speck, but yeah. Man, how cool. And so now you're going to uh, help put this one on in Helena. Uh, what are the dates for it? Um, It is July 31st to August 2nd. So it's a three-day three day event. And yeah, hopefully we'll have four courses. Usually that's the plan is to have four courses um, for these type of deals. So one, one will be like the extreme one that I'm sure guys like you, if you can make it, will do. It's the, you know, I think we'll end up, great divide i have opportunity to really stretch this one out and make it kind of gnarly but it'll probably be 1500 feet elevation gain and then almost four miles and you're in that you're really only shooting 15 targets so it's just as much like exercise getting out and hiking and you know getting in some really cool shots and different angles and and some definitely some distance in there too we definitely make it like borderline you know difficult shots that you probably wouldn't do in an actual hunting situation but now you have confidence you know going into the next year just like you're talking about like you know building up that that confidence in your shooting and and your physical ability kind of getting it all in one one nutshell there good uh yeah those are the courses i love those extremely challenging ones you know to to see if I can get through those things without breaking an arrow, you know. Um, yeah, man, that sounds like a like a lot of fun. There's nothing like those 3D shoots, like shooting at an animal. I always, you know, I always have a 3D target, but it's good to get to the mountains and be aiming at those mountain targets and steep uphill and downhill. And it can be like a real wake up call to your shooting as well, you know, as you as you go to go to these things and and you shoot those challenging shots. But it it teaches you you know, what shots you should be taking in the mountains too, which is usually close. I like to get close and kill them. Oh, yeah. And no matter that, you know, I like the challenging courses and shooting those long shots, but boy, once you, once you start to hone it in and you realize that, man, 40, 50 yards is really your zone or closer, you know, but, um, yeah, that's really lethal, but good on you guys putting on that course. It's such a, such a great practice session before season shooting at those 3d targets. 
Um, man, how cool. That'll be fun. Yeah, I'm going to try to make that and shoot with you, Tyler. Yeah, and that's one thing I noticed I was going to say is, like, I even noticed it in my backyard. I have, you know, I actually have a 3D target, and then, you know, I've got my other targets where I'm shooting a spot, and, man, I'll, I'll get into a groove where I just want to shoot spots all the time, and then I, I really go, what am I doing here? And I, I start shooting the 3D target, and I'm in the same yard as whatever, my groups just open up. And so, yeah, I mean, it's really good to get those, you know, realistic shooting the 3D and, and having that, you know, picking out your shot placement. And, yeah, it's just totally different. Like, yeah, it is neat that, you know, especially where we live, we, we have a little bit of property so I can I get to shoot every day and go out my backyard and, and kind of see that on a much smaller scale. But it is nice having the having the 3D targets to shoot at and mentally trained for picking your spot, even though there isn't, like, a spot there yeah there's not an orange dot to aim at so like you just gotta pick a spot and for and some you know you use the the shoulder to go off of and i try to aim a little bit back off the shoulder and about mid body which is all fine and dandy but when you're not trying to hold on a spot it, it is a an acquired skill to aim on those 3d targets and i you know, and I get pretty used to my deer in my backyard and aiming at that thing. So it's nice to take it to the mountains and shoot a bunch of different colored targets, you know, targets in timber, targets in the open, targets uphill, targets downhill. Uh, it really helps my aim, like going into hunting season, just firing off all cylinders. So how killer, man. Um, is there uh, guys sign up on the website or can they just show up up there? Or what do, what do we got to do? Um, pretty much both right now. Um online is probably the best way to do it just get on and pre-register and whatnot um thanks to covid we probably have to limit how many people we have on the mountain so i don't know what same day registration will look like like yeah i don't know it's just weird so anyway <laughs> yeah i'm hoping this year you know selfish today keep it kind of small and just have fun with a bunch of buddies and you know it always seems like i get to see a lot of the same faces and i mean even people that put on other types of shoot like this you know they like to come out and you know it's, we're just one big family so it's, it's definitely a you know there's that part of it too we just get a chance to get together and yeah all in the name of becoming a better bow hunter man that's it how cool well good on you putting this thing on um yeah i'm gonna make sure it's uh i don't let two years go by before i chat with you again uh you're always such a fun conversation and you always have such good adventures you're you you've lived a lifetime every time i talk to you which is which is cool tyler so yeah good luck i hope um that sheep hunt goes well and and the rest of your adventures and dude just always good to catch up with you yeah definitely brian well yeah thanks for having me on and yeah anytime i, I definitely love to talk talk hunting Nice, man. All right, we'll talk soon. All right, see ya. All right, guys. It's a wrap. Great conversation with Tyler. I really like that guy. Uh, like I say, such an adventure spirit. Um, really excited to see how he does on a sheep hunt this year and uh, happy to have him as uh, you know here in Montana. Now that he's closer, we got to do some adventures together. But uh, just a great guy, a great go-getter, and thanks again to him for being on the podcast. And uh, with that, also I want to thank our sponsors. I want to thank Sig Sauer Optics, uh, really building great optics that are standing up to all the top brands. I'm super impressed. I'll be using their their binoculars, their rangefinders, spotting scope this year. And I'm just super happy with the the quality of their products. So if you're in the market for some new optics, make sure to check out Sig Sauer. Uh, you can check those out at Sportsman's Warehouse as well. A great company where you can go in, touch and see and 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 fit, you know, all the top name brands to make sure that it it fits your personal preferences. So if you need any hunting gear this season, make sure to check out Sportsman's Warehouse. Uh, also, check on check out everything that we have going on over there at Eastman's. Check out that Tag Hub, $16,000 worth of giveaways, uh, the Beyond the Grid, the magazines. Uh, check out that new podcast of mine, Eastman's Flycast. Um, yeah, I got a couple days fly fishing here last week. Uh, Dylan Ness came over, and um, 
we went throwing the dry fly or throwing the salmon fly up top on the Madison. Just had a riot there for a couple days. So we had a bunch of fun. That'll be an upcoming podcast. This week I've got Coley and Clay on, two best friends that fish together, young kids, go-getters, good hunters too. But I, I have them on Eastman's Flycast. We talk fly fishing. It's a great episode. And yeah, just appreciate all the support, you guys. Um, yeah, appreciate you guys listening into these podcasts. I just want to continue to go, to bring you guys the the absolute best information we can. We're a month away, uh, so I know you guys are getting excited. That's about all I can think about right now. Um, man, good trail miles. I got to get out today. Get these podcasts produced. Trying to get a little bit ahead on these things. So uh, once hunting season gets here, I can go for it. And yeah, just all good here on the home front, enjoying the Montana summer and and getting ready for for fall in the Rocky Mountains. Uh, So thanks, you guys. I really appreciate uh, the reviews really help on on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening to, uh, the comments, and and then appreciate the support on social media and, and of course, on the podcast. So, um, man, keep working hard towards your goals, guys. We are getting close. Countdown. and yeah, I'll check in on, on you. Jesus, I can't even get out the last words of this ending. I, uh, I've been talking too long here, but that's a wrap this week. Thanks a bunch, you guys. I'll check in with you next week.